Welcome to an exciting episode of Canvas and Culinary, Chalk and Camo. I'm Sherry Provo-Williams. Today, we have the pleasure of sitting down with a talented voice actor, Victor Samuel Williams, as he continues his journey to break into the acting industry. Join us as we uncover the passion, dedication, and aspirations that drive this young man. The wit, bit of, uh, wit sounds very... Witty. 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 We will explore a path to becoming a voice actor. Samuel will share some early experiences that led him to pursue this career. You will hear about his captivation with the character voices he heard as a child, in TV shows, movies, cartoons, and video games that he watched many, many times, over and over. I know this part of the path because I am Samuel's mom. It sounds witty. <laughs> it is incredible how childhood influences can shape our career paths. As you navigate your own industry path, what challenges have you faced and how have they shaped you as a person? Get ready for a wild ride as we dive into the mind and spirit of this extraordinary talent. It's a strange word. Like, that kind of voice kind of fits that kind of word, even though it, that character's probably not witty, but it's got wit in there. <laughs> wit! One of the biggest challenges all artists face is breaking into the acting industry itself. It can be daunting when you're just starting out and trying to get noticed. In every industry, learning the importance of perseverance and continuously working on your skills is critical to success for everyone. Every audition, interview, and rejection teaches valuable lessons, helping refine our skills and to ultimately find our unique voice in this vast sea of talent. This resilience and determination will undoubtedly propel an artist forward. Let's dive into Sam's process as a voice actor. How does he approach character development and bring those characters to life through voice. Cowboy that just, or really old cowboy that just throws in a bunch of, uh, throws in unnecessary H's when they're speaking with words that have a W, like when, when are you gonna say, stop saying when and <laughs> what? What in the Sam hell? This is the, this is gonna be the hard part for me, not laughing all the way through. This is this is. Yeah, oh, just do it. It's, it's <laughs> just so, go it's for funny. it. It's funny. It's funny. Just let it happen. Just <laughs> let the let the man just take over. <laughs> take over in your mind. Character development is a fascinating journey. To immerse yourself in the words and try to understand the character's physicality, backstory, motivations, and emotional journey. Experimenting with vocal nuances, tones, and accents to create a voice that aligns with the character's essence. It's a delicate balance of interpretation and imagination, allowing an artist to breathe life into those fictional beings. And you cloud your judgment and you go clawing at anything. Is that Starscream? What, uh, what does Starscream no, so, that's more. Like? I guess that's more Cobra Commander. Like with Cobra Commander, literally the same guy, the late Chris Latta, but Starscream sounded more like this, more 
noble or pompous even. And then Starscream just He goes down more gravelly. Probably because he smokes a lot. But he's still very high. <laughs> Up here like this. You have twenty-four hours to quit smoking. <laughs> Cobra <laughs> so, Starscream is much more soft. He's just like higher up there. He's much more comfortable, really. And Optimus Prime. Okay, now that we're in the transformer. Optimus world. Prime's the complete opposite. He's very down deep like this. But he also draws out his words in a way to sound more big. <laughs> big and giant and even heroic and noble. That was leaning more. <laughs> ended up going more towards Beast Wars Megatron, who's. Not quite as deep, but he sounds more like this. Yes. Oh, my. He says yes a lot. Only on a few occasions he says no. But most of the time he says yes. It reminds me of that, what was his name? Mega Megabyte in Reboot? Uh, yeah, that do was far know, deeper. Do you know him? Like, yes, I do remember Megabyte. Okay. I don't know if that's picking that up, but I will go here. That is a <laughs> he wants to take over mainframe. He's a bit of a gentleman, but also a bit of a pompous dickhead. Dedication to character development shines through the work. Then there is the process of bringing the individual's private work to a public space. Will people like it? Will they just love to hate the bad guys? and be hopelessly infatuated with the rest. Sam has shed some light on the collaborative nature of working with directors and fellow voice actors. He has demonstrated an integral part of a voice actor's life, which often involves providing a range of interpretations for a character, showcasing versatility. It's a process that demands adaptability and quick thinking. Once an actor is cast, Collaboration becomes key. Working with directors, writers, and fellow voice actors is a collaborative dance where individual talents work together to create something remarkable. The guidance and feedback from others helps shape the final performance, and it's an exciting and rewarding experience. And then all I can think about is all of a sudden Seth MacFarlane comes to my mind. Who's the Family Guy the, voice? He voices a bunch of characters in Family Guy. Of course, of course, there's Peter Griffin. There's, uh, I don't know if that's a good one. I can do better than that, but, yeah, that's, that's the beauty about voiceover. You don't get a voice right. Like, say you're trying to do an impression of someone, right. and it's not right. That's just another character voice. I could do Christopher Walken, and you get it's Christopher Walken. doesn't sound like him, but the pauses... The commas, the unnecessary commas in his words, it's sort of Christopher Walken, but because it doesn't sound right, you could say it's, you could use that voice for another character. Go into your nondescript New Yorker? Maybe you take away, better yet, you take away, there's something I learned. Something I learned where <laughs> in my own voice. <laughs> this voice actor pointed out this uh, this guy named uh, was it Arnold Taylor, Andrew Taylor, uh, something something Taylor. Uh, he 
he voiced Obi-Wan in a bunch of Star Wars cartoons, he did a show once where he was pointing out how all these different voices are connected to a degree. You just have to make a few tweaks and changes. Like, like before, I was doing Christopher Walken, take away the commas, throw in an accent, make it a little deeper, you've got the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Maybe take away, the, away a, bit, a little bit of the Kermit. There's a bit of the Kermit the Frog in there. <laughs> Actually, that's what I should have done. You do Christopher Walken, take away the commas, you got Kermit the Frog almost, give it a little more of that kind of, I don't know what you would call it, but that strange kind of voice, throw in a bit of the accent, you've got Donald Schwarzenegger. Uh, make deeper, or you take away a bit of the Kermit, and then you've got a German guy, and then you make it a little more nondescript, and you've got European, uh, some guy, some nondescript European dude, maybe Serge from Beverly Hills Cop. You know, get him out of here, no, I cannot. That guy also did a different kind of accent in Perfect Strangers. He's plays uh, some guy, I don't remember his name, but this catchphrase is, don't be ridiculous. And of course, with that kind of voice going deeper, sounding still nondescript European, you make it more Russian, and you make it deeper, more serious, and then you've got Ivan Drago. <laughs> I must break you. Take away the accent, maybe make the lip droop a little bit, you guys are very slow. Maybe don't entirely a little bit like too much like this is my way, you know, it's the slow. This guy sounds like Drago, minus the accent got a little bit of a drip. And then you take away that sort of voice and bring it maybe bring back in the Arnold Schwarzenegger or Kermit the Frog kind of voice and you go from the slow and add a bit of you know, a bit more of that. You take away that, add in the Kermit again, but you make it really deeper, and then you've got Morgan Freeman. World's greatest narrator, possibly God himself. The man, the myth, the legend. Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. The point I was making there was all these kind of voices are connected. You just have to find the connection, and you just make a little tweak to fit that connection. So you've always loved voice work. Oh, I love voice work. How old do you think you were when you first started loving voice work? I loved do doing voices. I still love doing voices. But when I really realized, wait, this is a career? I could I could do this? Like, as like as a professional job? I could just have fun with these voices and maybe get paid for it? It was when I was 16 years old. And I was watching a cartoon. I don't remember what it was. But I heard someone's voice. Trying to remember the name of the character, but I know the vo name of the voice actor. The voice actor that I heard, I looked him up. His name is Scott McNeil. I looked up some of his other credits. I'm like, oh, what else has this guy done? And I saw, not only did he voice, he, like he, he was in Beast Wars, and he voiced not one, not two, not three, but four characters. He voiced a uh, former Predacon, Father Predacon. Currently a Maxima named Dinobot. And of course Dinobot, who is uh, best frenemies with this other Maximal named Red Trap. Little short red guy. And of course he talks like a New Yorker, but because he's small, his voice is a little high up a little bit. Who on occasion has fought another guy, a ter uh, Predacon, named... Uh, <laughs> 
Not a little, but uh, this Predacon who flies around always gets beat up. Always gets broken. When you hear a voice, you immediately think, oh, I remember that. You know, I remember, don't remember the actual script of the show. Yeah, right? but you hear the voice. But you hear the voice, like, you think, oh, I know guy. that guy. I know that voice, right? Later in the show, he voiced a. Uh, Another Maximal, very much a heroic character, but started briefly off as a Predacon, just because he happened to be found by the Predacons, and his name is Silverbolt, he's very heroic, noble, has wings, and transform into a cybernetic dog. All voiced by one guy, each one so very distinct from each other, you know. Dinobot is very raspy and blurry. Funny, fun fact about that, that voice was originally uh, Scott McNeil's Cobra Commander voice when Chris Latta unfortunately passed away. He had to fill in for him at one point. He actually did a perfect uh, Cobra Commander, but he hated doing it because it was a throat ripper. So basically for Dinobot, he just... He took Cobra Commander from up here and then brought him down here to something more manageable. Yeah, he voiced four characters, but there's still... Every single character in that show has some kind of distinctive voice, you know. Optimus Prime, he's noble, heroic, but more of a, I guess you could say more like a, like a sergeant kind of character. He's the kind of guy that gets his hands dirty, but still works as a, an inspiring leader, more like a father figure, pretty much. Yeah. Like, there's this one guy named Leatherneck, he sounds a little, like, like a more gravelly kind of Jesse Ventura, Jesse the Body Ventura, he sounds a little like this. I ain't got time to bleed. Son of a... Just dug in like an Alabama tick. He was a wrestler called The Body. See, that almost started to sound a little like... <laughs> but that's the beauty. You can take Jesse The Body Ventura and then add a bit of a gravelly to it. Then all of a sudden you've got a big fat guy. You had a bit of a jowly kind of... He sounds like a big gross kind of fat guy. This is what happens when I sit on you. This... I think you might be thinking of the Blob, who's the blob. a who's like an X Men character. Maybe, He's, yeah. I maybe. don't know if he had an accent. I've heard some depictions where they throw in bits of accent of, on occasion, but more often than not, he sounds like this. Did you just call me Blob? No, I called you Bub. That's what Wolverine sounds like. He sounds like he just smokes like. Every, I mean, he's basically a destructible, so he smokes packs every single day. And I imagine that had some kind of lasting effect on him. Because now, from that point on, he just sounds like this, bub. <laughs> so when you were 16 and you realized this... And then I started watching Beast Wars and I discovered a whole bunch of other different voices in that show. Like, uh, the guy that voices Tarantulas. Ooh, going back to the connection thing, basically, you take the big fat guy, kind of, like, big, heavy-set, bruiser kind of guy... Then you take away the jowls, and you have something like this. You bring it as high as possible, and then you've got tarantulas. <laughs> Maybe throwing a bit of waspinator for that. <laughs> but most of the time, he just makes a bunch of like. <laughs> now, okay, laughing. I remember when we went to a Comic-Con once, and you entered an evil laugh contest. Yeah, that... I feel like I got chipped on that one. I mean, it was fun, but they just wanted me to laugh as loud as possible. That's not how you do an evil laugh. You, so, a good evil laugh is 
whatever kind of menacing way you can think of. It's not just, <laughs> it's not just that. Sometimes it goes into that. Right. But, you know, then you have a character like the Shadow who doesn't go, <laughs> no, 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 he's very calm and menacing, like, <laughs> but then you have other characters, really, well, any kind of character you can think of, as long as it sounds a little menacing, you know, you could just, sometimes you can go, <laughs> or you could just go, <laughs> Collaboration truly brings out the best in creative endeavors. As you continue to grow in your artistic journey, are there any dreams, roles, or projects that you aspire to be a part of? Collaboration, my friend, is the secret ingredient to dramatic alchemy. Working with brilliant minds fuels our own creativity, allowing us to bounce ideas, refine comedic timing, and create magical moments. It's like a symphony of laughter, each instrument playing its part to create a symphony that resonates with audiences far and wide. Together, we elevate the art of comedy and tragedy to new heights. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it was... I, and you know, but you know, like, I don't know how everybody listening will have all this in their head, but I can't do this. Like, not everybody can do this. Yeah. So, it, it's interesting. The thing I'm, is, though, like, not everyone can do it. It's interesting that you figured it, out you could do it, right? Yeah, but that's because I realized, yeah, not everyone can do it, but they just need to try. If they try... You think maybe it's just a try thing? It's something they kind of, like, they can learn it. You can teach that sort of thing. Okay. Like, well, I mean, uh, at this true. point nowadays, thankfully, there's schools for that sort of thing now. Yeah. You know, something that this other voice actor named Michael Bell, who was in games like Legacy of Kane, he was in G.I. Joe, Transformers, all kinds of things. The first thing he teaches people is, uh, or sort of like to test them, kinda. Mm -hmm. He basically says, okay, give me the sound of a dog or a cat. Mm -hmm. And I could try and, I'm still trying to figure out the cat thing because the cat is more, I guess you kinda, make a bit of a Donald Duck kind of thing if you want to make like a very rabid kind of cat like it's going into a fight and it's like <laughs> and then like when it's about to pounce it's like <laughs> I could do better I'm still working on that that's, but that's not bad yeah and can you do a dog is a dog easy um this is like for chefs when you walk into a, a job interview and they say make me an omelet yeah that's basically that like yeah give me a dog or give me a cat give me a bird birds are harder because like yeah. it's not just it's not just that that's more owls yeah but it's not even just like but it's like the kind of the trilling that goes in there like I, I can't do it but like that kind of yeah sounds like trilling almost like a cat when they're but you think when they're purring but they're also kind of meowing like people can learn yes is what you're saying these people are skills that you can learn are, yes yeah. so what you're saying is you like a challenge Yes, and right. that's partly why I want to be a director, so I can... You can challenge yourself even, or other I can challenge myself, people. and I can challenge other people. Like, right. okay, do do it like this, instead of just, okay, give me old guy. You sound a little like this, pretty much, but... And I, I guess that's a little more effort in there, but... You know, you sound like old guy, but... Okay, give me old guy who is 
far older than he should be, and it shows. Oh, then you take that, and then you suck the life out of him until he starts sounding a little wheezy like this. Maybe uh, give me old, I guess, tough guy. Like, old tough guy, he's really old, and most people make him sound like this, but why not make him older? Make him, you know, a little rounder, and then give it, maybe add a bit of the jowls. He's got a, got a gravelly kind of voice like this. He sounds like an old guy, but he's maybe make him from New York. He's got a New York accent, but then he sounds like some guy you'd be like, hey, that's that, that plumber guy from down the street. Oh, plumber guy. Yeah, I mean, it's not I one know. voice, but maybe he's an old private eye. Maybe he's an old detective. Oh, I'm getting too old for this job here. And who is at, at the risk of, you know, and all, of course, we're not trying to stereotype everybody in this. These are just... I feel like with voices, you kind of have you, to. Yeah. Just to really, like... Yeah get people to remember those characters we're not, like, we're not trying to be offensive but but it is kind of a reality that people that come from you know canadians have a certain way of talking americans in yeah. the south potentially you know have a certain way of talking or a, oh, yeah. a new yorker has a certain way of talking so so i remember we used to talk about the nondescript new york jewish guy yeah so like <laughs> yeah basically it started off as just this kind of dirty kind of fellow and then we uh, I guess we, I guess you could say we Jerry Lewis it a, bu a bit. <laughs> so then you take that away and make him sound a little more like this, and then you throw in, uh, then you throw in the New York accent, but then you still kind of, he's still kind of up there. He sounds like some guy, he's like Jewish, and he has to deal with his mother, who's like, you know, your cousin was a lawyer. <laughs> your cousin was a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Like that kind of voice, you can basically still play the character perfectly, even if he's just making noises like, <laughs> like not even words, <laughs> just noises, and it's still, oh, that's that guy. He's Everybody just, gets it. Trying to say something, but he can't. Did you ever? Did you ever study the guy that did Fiddler on the Roof? The old, the the father that's up on the roof singing and. Uh, no, but I imagine he sounds. He's got a really deep voice. He does have a really deep voice. I don't know if he but was... he's uh, Jewish. He's Jewish, but he's like old Russian Jewish. So well, he's very true. deep, but he's also very old. Very mm -hmm. old, and he sings about how... But if he was a rich man... All day long I'd be bum If I were a wealthy man. Yeah. Yeah. Dean Martin, on the other hand, I don't know if it's accurate... But I heard people make him talk like this a little bit. That's because he was part of the Rat Pack. He was part of the They would rat have pack. cocktails very late at night. He would have <laughs> cocktails late at night. Everyone else would, but he'd go a little further. <laughs> this is Dean Martin. He was friends with Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis, do you do his voice? Uh, he's got a... He's, Jerry Lewis, written normally, has actually has a very deep voice like yeah, this, but yeah. he's able to just, for movies, of course... He's able to bring that deep voice. And then just go like this, pretty much. <laughs> just talk like this. I guess a little, if, it, if I threw in a New York accent, make it sound a little uh, a little closer to the uh, nondescript Jewish New Yorker. You get a bit of red trap in there. For Beast Wars. It's a Transformers show. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so so as you were, you know, you're getting, I mean, you're only 31 now, so yeah. it's not like we can run through decades and decades here, but... Well, my listening friends, 
It often starts with a desire to bring characters to life in the most unexpected and outrageous ways. The voice becomes a canvas on which to paint vivid and unforgettable personalities. I've always believed that laughter is one of the best medicines, and through voice acting, you can reach people's hearts and tickle their funny bones. Life has a way of throwing surprises at us, and it's those moments of chaos and unpredictability that spark the wildest ideas. Challenges push you to think outside the box, to tap into your boundless imagination, and find humor and inspiration even in the darkest corners. It's those very challenges that will propel you to create some of your most iconic characters and performances. Just like Victor Samuel Williams, you will develop characters. It's like sculpting a masterpiece. You dive deep into the essence of each character, seeking their quirks, their tics, and their hidden gems. Their voices come to you like whispers and sometimes shouts of inspiration. Each one unique, each one a key to unlocking their dramatic potential. It's a joyful dance of improvisation, experimentation, and pure creative madness. Why voice work as opposed to straight acting? I mean, there's yeah, just straight, like, straight up acting. Like, well, it's all acting. There's on-camera stuff. I've been wanting to do stunt work as well. Primarily, is really just voiceover. Voice directing as well, but anything to do with voiceover, I'm like, all in. Just dogpile that shit. Now, it's uh, so chuckle-worthy. Just... <laughs> <laughs> And how is it, you can do how your dad laughs when he chuckles like that? Oh, yeah. Sometimes he'll just go, <laughs> And sometimes I'll just throw it in, just going like, <laughs> It really just comes down to just making silly sounds, too. Like You have to be willing to almost completely embarrass yourself. Are they willing to completely embarrass themselves? To, yeah, to, to like, make it happen, to make the Because the thing happen. is, I've noticed anyone that wants to get into voice acting, and I've asked a ton of people this, they want to get into anime dubbing. Oh. And anime dubbing is not as horrible as it used to be. Back then, people couldn't understand it too well, therefore they just didn't worry about matching the lip flaps. But I appreciate those that are already in it, they've been in it for a while, and they know, because they know how to match the lip flaps. Right. Because... Lip flaps. Yeah, like like <laughs> characters in Western the cartoons, yeah. they move their their mouths are animated to move because mm -hmm. it's supposed to match English. With Japanese animation, their their mouths literally just—it's almost like a square. It's right. almost shaped like a square, and it's like opening up a bunch of times. Just bah, 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 bah. like it looks like they're talking like bah, 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 bah. <laughs> like something like that. You have to try and match the lip flaps, which is hard because originally that was animated for a Japanese audience and they speak a very different language to us mm -hmm. and so you have to very carefully try not to sound like you're trying to match the lips on time <laughs> with Speed Racer they just went just talk as fast as possible buddy and so they talk really fast and they're talking like this wall <laughs> maybe throwing in a bit of a noise at the end wall <laughs> sometimes they even throw in a bit of a the haha like at the end haha <laughs> That's Speed Racer. They're just like, just talk as fast as possible. Don't worry about the lip flaps.
when you unleash your creative madness and dive into the collaborative nature of your work, you will find remarkable individuals. Maybe you are also looking to collaborate with other creatives, maybe even directors, writers, and fellow actors. How will these collaborations shape your work and amplify the magic? There's a whole bunch of techniques that you can just do any at any point in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, you say you're just driving to work one day, uh, you see a bunch of signs, you read those signs out loud. It doesn't have to be in a different voice, you just read them. Uh, and if you get really good at that, maybe try some different voices, you know? Right. Like, oh, 40 kilometers! So it's playing. In, yeah, in a lot of ways, you're basically playing. Yeah. You are the voice behind the welcome trailer for this podcast. Yes, I am. Yeah. You asked me to do a voice, and I did. Uh, I did the trailer voice because I, in a like the, the movie trailer in a voice. world where I had to do a trailer voice, I had to think in a world <laughs> like the great, the late great Don LaFontaine. Was that who did that? That was the guy. He okay. was. Uh, like the trailer voice throughout the uh, I don't want to say the 70s because I don't think he started then but in the 80s and the 90s it, he was the guy for that whole in a world in the city you must fight to survive he sold tortillas on the corner and the mob wanted him <laughs> that kind of guy he lived all the way till like 2008 2006 even then like he was just doing trailer work non-stop and he could just go from doing, I don't know, something more lighthearted like this summer has Brady written all over it to someone's playing a deadly game. <laughs> just like at the drop of a hat. That's the other thing too, is as far as different wacky kind of cartoony voices, a lot of people like, the whole, one of the more impressive things about that is just not doing a voice as accurately as possible. The, the main thing about that that I thought was really interesting wasn't just that he was doing all these different impressions of people. Mm. He was, I mean, was a lot of them were character stuff, but most of them were, pretty much all of them were either people or established cartoon characters, and he was doing impressions of all of them. But it's not the accuracy of the, the impressions he was doing, it's how, he, how quickly he was jumping from this voice to that voice, you know, going from Clint Eastwood or something like that. And then going all the way to Hong Kong Fui! And then connecting that with uh, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it started off as, uh, he's talking like Dr. Emmett Brown and Great Scott and 1.21 gigawatts! That's it's not accurate, but again, character voice right there. But everybody would recognize, especially you'd, recognize, you'd recognize the oh, Great Scott, 1.21 gigawatts! And then you shake it up and you go... Uh, something, what was the name from Taxi? Something Joukowsky or... Oh, I don't know what his na character name was, but, but same like actor. That, that yeah. guy, you talk a little bit like this, is pretty much just like Dr. Emmett Brown before shaking on Space Down, and you take away the shakiness, and you got Hong, got a bit of a growl to it, you got Hong Kong Pui, number one super guy. That was the same actor? No, it's not the same actor. Oh, no. But the connection but there... The connection is there. And he did, and he did con. Yes, he sounds like this. Pretty much like Dr. Emmett Brown if he was evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. And, and so, you know, 
sometimes when I'm talking to you, like my brain just goes slack because it's like you just you're enjoying the voices. I I'm just so entertained. I feel like I'm watching a movie. So, <laughs> so okay. So a long time ago, we talked about uh, Shakespeare and how learning those kinds of lines, learning that kind of elocution, pronouncing words clearly, properly. Yes. Uh, that kind of training can help when you're doing something like voice work. True? Yes. I do believe so, yes. Yeah. Because, like, and it's also just a matter of thinking about the context of the scene as well. Like, if you're doing voiceover, on stage, say Hamlet, for example, like, on stage, you, ha you kind of have to shout unless they give you a microphone, which normally they do now. But back then, and even sometimes now, Say you're doing to be or not to be. You know, on stage you're going to be or not to be. That is the question. But that whole monologue, he's, as far as the character knows, he's completely alone in a room. Right. So really, the proper way is, you know, you whisper it. Be or not to be. That is the question. Or yeah. to sleep or chance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. You know, he's thinking. He's having an inner monologue with himself because he thinks he's alone. Right. Really, he's being spied on by his uh, his evil uncle. But but he uh, doesn't know that. He doesn't know that. So he's like <clears throat> whispering a whole bunch. If we were Same sitting, with, if uh, I was sitting in a room and I was thinking to myself and maybe even talking to myself, I wouldn't be shouting. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to do, to to whisper to be or not to be. You don't have to do that whole thing whispering. But that one is more. You should, because that's, as far as voiceover goes, you should, because that's the context of the scene. Whereas, the Scottish play, uh, not, I'm not going to mention the name, <laughs> I'm, I'm really taking a big risk by quoting it, because I'm going to do that, the dagger scene, you know, like, where you can whisper that, is this a dagger which I see before me, the hand folds towards my hand, throwing a bit of crazy, because at this point he's going, the main character's going a little crazy. Or you could probably be loud with that one too, you know? Like maybe he's out in a field somewhere and there's like a table. He's losing and it. And he's losing it. He's just, yeah. or he's in his room and no one can hear him and he's losing it in there. Just, is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Yeah. Or I see thee still and yet such and such, you know? Yeah. And then immediately my head goes to Captain Kirk. Yes. Yes, Captain James T. Kirk of the Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> whose five-year mission to explain to to explain the merits of voice acting. <laughs> normally, he doesn't talk like that. No, normally, it sounds a little more like this in the show. Okay. Often, he'll do the pauses, but sounds more like this, more serious. I'm trying to remember that one. <laughs> scene where he's like, we're not going to kill. Today. We're really not, good scene, but we're like... We're not what? We're not going to kill. We're not going to kill. Today. Because uh, these guys basically turn like uh, war into I guess a little game. Not so much a game, but it's like, oh, we're at war. You like If you're selected to die, you walk into this booth and you die. It's very comfortable, very sterile. Right. Kirk and crew introduce actual war back into their lives. And he's like, uh, like, yes, you have a real war on your hands. But you could stop it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to kill. Today. 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 
<laughs> so we've talked about how often uh, the captains of Star Trek, uh, Picard and you and can just Kirk. based on their voices alone as well, you can pinpoint exactly which captain is which. Like Kirk, James, D. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. He's the guy who talks, overacts, re really hammy. <laughs> and then there's Picard, who is a Shakespearean act. Well, they're both Shakespearean actors, but there's Picard, who is more of a serious actor. And of course, his voice, much more deeper. You can have him read the phone book, and it sounds classy as hell. <laughs> and he's an Englishman, so he has more restraint. An Englishman who seems to have a French heritage, but no French accent. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood that. I didn't a French character that. being played by an Englishman. Yes. Of course, there's Sean Connery. He doesn't sound like this pretty much. If anything, because he was really old at that point, he sounded a little more like this. His voice started to get a little wheezy, because he was quite old at the time. Mm. But before that, it was quite deep. In movies like James Bond, James Bond, and even movies like Outland in 1982, 1981, I think, oh. he was starting to get gray hair at that point. And then Highlander. And in Highlander, see, I notice as well, like, and I, I do this too. I'm guilty of this. But usually, when they do Sean Connery, it's it sounds a little more like this, pretty much. And really, he sounded a more little more like this. Before his voice, before he started getting older, his voice, when he talked loudly, he shouted like this, You have the manners of a goat, and you smell like a dung heap. Like in Highlander. In Highlander, yeah. My cat improved your voice. There can be only one, MacLeod. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if they did an act like a... The character is Egyptian, pretending to be Spanish. <laughs> and he's played by a Scotsman. <laughs> you think... Imagine if they got someone to do that more accurately then you uh, I don't know how you would do like a, a Spaniard from European Spain of course they sound a little more passionate pretty much then you try and throw in a, maybe a hint of uh, I don't know how to do an Egyptian accent and I don't even know if I'm doing a good Spanish accent <laughs> but you know you get the idea you have a Spaniard from European Spain who was uh, an Egyptian beforehand. So maybe you throw in a little bit of the instead of the uh, I notice a lot of those like instead of the with countries like Egypt, instead of the they say the the. the. Yeah. Like a lot of S words sound like Z's like I Z U Z like an Arab they do a, and the, what really helps is if you do a lot of the hand movements with the pretty much. Uh, I see the hand movements, you see the hand movements. Uh, Everybody talks with their hands on the other side of the world. Yeah, we talk with our voice, with our mouths. Yeah, we talk with our mouth. With our mouths, and, and, and we, everyone and, talks with their hands. And they we could sit just go very like, still, but yeah, you're right. They could do that, like just clap a bunch and like, not even sign language. They just like move their hands wildly. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I get what you're saying. So we, at one point, we did the we did the run around the nondescript European guy. Let's. Yeah. So that was a. Uh, not a, char a character in a sense it's one character it's one character that represents us all sorts of places very Germanic I guess Germanic speaking sounding places 
like Germany and Austria and more Scandinavian places like Norway and Sweden and Switzerland, maybe Netherlands pretty much, they speak Dutch there. Uh, and then you have them go to the to the UK. The UK. <laughs> they call it the UK there, but to him, because he has very tenuous grasp of the English language, maybe words don't be sounding rigid. <laughs> or they sound, he may be throwing a bit of the, the, the broken of the English. Where he's like, you get what he's saying, but he's not be speaking the whole thing right proper. <laughs> and then you come into the UK. You come in the UK, and of course you, you go further south, and you got, you got everyone. Everyone's doing the whole oh bottle of water. They're trying to sound like someone from the south, the more Cockney sounding, where they replace all their th words with a uh, with an f or a v. Like they they. Uh, Look, they don't say brother or uh, Bob's your uncle. They say they would say some or Robert's your father's brother with th. They say Robert's your father's brother. Brother, yeah. Brother and brother. Uh, but then you go further north, and well, you go further north, and a little more east, you get people that sound a bit posh pretty much, and they, they don't sound. It's someone more like. Sherlock Holmes, pretty much. It was a little more wild in the books, but, you know, he was still very much a gentleman, an Englishman. A better example would be Christopher Lee, really. Christopher Lee, who did a lot of voiceover. And he had a very... He could read... He could read a phone book and make it sound classy as hell. <laughs> he could read five, 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 one, two, three, four, four, seven, four, five, nine. Even though that's not a real number, but it could be. But it sounds—you'll remember it though. But it sounds so believable. Classy, because <laughs> <laughs> Christopher, Sir Christopher Lee, who played Scaramanga, who I don't think should have been British, but I don't care. It's Christopher Lee. He can—he just—he can do his regular voice, and it'll still work. It's like Sean Connery that plays the Russian captain with a Scottish accent. Yeah. <laughs> He speaks Russian at first, but it's like, it was clear they were like, yeah, we're not doing that the whole movie. Instead, uh, you have the Russian, you have the commissar in that movie, who's played by an Englishman, he's speaking Russian, and then he's sounding more like this because he's speaking English all of a sudden. <laughs> and of course, you've got Russian Soviet naval captain, Sean Connery. <laughs> I thought it was Ravius, it's Connery now. You're on my ship, I say what goes. Speaking of Sean Connery, we know where he's from. He's from Scotland. And of course, if you're going a more going from the classy, posh-sounding English area, uh, if you're going to a more posh kind of area in Scotland, then they sound a bit, a little bit more like this, pretty much. It's very, very upper classman. But then you go, I don't know, somewhere south, I guess, somewhere, somewhere near Glasgow, where. They start sounding a little more gruff. Their accents, their accents more, like much, much heavier. They sound sometimes they sound a little bit because they're drinking a whole lot. Probably they sound a little gravelly and raspy. <laughs> what are you doing? All oh, that's that's fighting words right there. Let me see what you get. 
Always here. They all go, you, you, get you, Pillock. This is gonna get probably rated, uh, like, rated R in the UK because we're, like, bloody is, you know, like, you, like the word bloody is bloody business. That's a, that's another kind of British voice I like to use. Is that overly pompous gentleman sort of fellow? One with usually the one with the jowls in their mouth, and they speak like most unorthodox. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, who's had a little more higher up this like this in the area, but is still pretty much the same. He's old, chubby, like heavy set looking. Jowly, mostly jowly. <laughs> imagine a, a pit bull. Basically, imagine a pit bull, and then give it a British accent, like a like a gentleman's British accent. And you look at you look at the jowls, and you just like you just think, oh, they talk. The problem would talk like this pretty much. You give it an English accent, make it sound like a gentleman, and you've got yourself a little pit bull. Probably named Sir Cobblesworth. Sir Cobblesworth of Northumberland. Duke of Northumberland or some balderdash like that. And you throw in certain words like balderdash and poppycock and most unorthodox behavior. <laughs> I'm telling you, my face hurts. <laughs> I'm sitting here massaging my face because it's starting to hurt. So... <laughs> The three voices I've thought of, not thought of, I, I never create, you, de you never create a voice is the thing. Like, you, like, actors, actors tell people to do this all the time. Like, big actors, small actors, they tell people to do this all the time. You can't really create a new voice. I'm, I mean, if you can, like, that's something totally unique then, but usually just, you just steal from other actors. Judge Dredd. I tend to voice, like, do stuff, just mess around, like, doing voiceover for a character mm -hmm. from a British comic called 2000 AD. His name is Judge Dredd. You might have heard of him. At one point, he was played by Stallone. He took his helmet off. He never, done, he never does it in the comic. But then, like, in there was a remake that starred Carl Urban as Judge Dredd, and he sounded a little more like this. That was a car outside. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but he sounded like this. I am the law. And then I thought, I'll take that, and then, well, maybe take away some of the raspiness, but I'll take that, uh, try to imitate these two other different Judge Dredd voices I heard, uh, one by a guy named Toby Longworth, who generally sounds a little more like this, and then there's this other guy named Gary something, I don't remember, uh, and he sounds a little more like this, pretty much, basically... Someone described him as sounding like Dr. Girlfriend from the Venture Brothers, who is an actual lady, like, like fully lady and everything. She just happens to talk like this pretty much. Still acts like, like, everyone acts like it's perfectly normal except for this one guy named Brock Sampson, who was voiced by Patrick Warburton, who you might know as Joe Swanson from Family Guy. Everyone thinks he sounds like Kronk. Kronk normally talks like this, but Joe Swanson, because he's from a small town, he sounds a little... I guess you could say he sounds a little closer to Jesse Ventura to try and make him sound a little more rural. Because it's a small town. He's from Cohog. Brock, same voice. Literally, Patrick Warburton, 
that's a unique voice right there because that's his normal voice. That's not a character he's playing. That that kind of overly manly, cartoony kind of voice. That's his normal voice. Yeah, he's uh, like he's done Buzz Lightyear. I think that's the only variation he's does he's done where it's still his voice, but it's a little higher, so he sounds a little closer to Tim Allen, pretty much. But he still sounds like Gus Watson, like this, or like Brock, Brock Samson, or Croc even. Croc from The Emperor's New Groove. He was in that movie. The big guy, the big muscle for the villain in that movie. Oh yeah. It's all coming together. How did we get here, Krog? Oh, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Did you ever do The Simpsons? I haven't no, heard. Sometimes. I don't, I don't know if I've ever I've never heard done do Bart. I don't think... I think that's a little far too high for me, but... Because that character's voiced by a woman. Yeah. I can't do Lisa. That's also far too high. Uh, Marge does not sound like Marge. Because, like... She's also voiced by a woman, of course, but... Uh, that kind of voice is a little easier, you know, just... Kind of like her sisters, pretty much, who... We're heavy smokers, pretty much. And then you make me Marjolo. I like to call me. Something like that. That's funny. Marge! I, you know, I don't... Oh, the Simpson, who originally sounded like this in the old, in the original first, the season zero and season one, but over time he sounded a little like, more like this, pretty much. But Marge! Mmm, donuts... Woo! <laughs> and when things get really spooky, ah! <laughs> that's too funny. Really, the ones I more I gravitate more towards are the ones voiced by Hank Azaria, like uh, uh, like like Chief, uh, <clears throat> like uh, like uh, Chief Quimby, the guy is in. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's in charge of the police, honestly. But he's called Chief Quimby. Oh no, it was it was uh, Mayor Quimby. He sounds more like uh, JFK, John F. Kennedy, even though he's. He's even a Democrat, so he's just literally the same guy, but he just—he's a little heavy set, oh, but he still talks funny. like JFK, whose voice just keeps getting high every time he talks. But then every time, every now and then, he starts at the bottom and climbs back up. And then he goes back to the very bottom, keeps keeps trying to climb back up. It's like with JFK, you throw in that kind of voice, that kind of accent, and you just pretend someone just keeps knocking you off a ladder, because you. You could start all the way up here. You can even start all the way up here. Someone pushes you down. Then you gotta start all the way from the bottom. Make your way below back up. Someone pushes you down. Then you back down a little bit. They put you all the way to the bottom. Then you back down at the bottom. That's too funny. But then you have to climb your way back up. I hadn't thought about that with, with some people's voices, but that is exactly yeah. how some people... You just have to like again start at the imagine bottom it, and work their way up. Imagination does, kind does, of. Does President plays Trump do that. that? Does he start uh, at the bottom and go up? It almost reminds me that. I think he kind of starts from one area, and then goes down a bit. Oh, okay. It's almost like he's he's starting at the top of uh the top of the stairs, whereas JFK starting at the bottom. JFK start uh Donald Trump starting at the top. <laughs> And he doesn't go down the stairs a whole lot because he doesn't say say a whole lot. And his hands are very small. They're very small. Look at these hands. Very small. He says, uses few words. But repeats them words. a lot. He repeats them a lot. <laughs> It'll be out when it's out. There's the guy. Don't give him his jacket. Is there any other presidents or prime ministers you can imitate? Well, of course, there's JFK. There's, uh... President Bush? Uh, <laughs> Junior or senior? Yeah, I don't know. I don't entirely know what senior sounds like. I imagine the same kind of, but 
of course, there's, there's Junior right there. He, he was president for a while, probably far too long. Then again, it was only two terms, so about the same amount. But every single time, he sounds like this. <laughs> there think, are weapons so of mass destruction out there. There, that movie, The Master of Disguise. It's one of my favorite movies, and I, I love that movie. Was very good. You did, I know you don't. You liked it when you were a kid. Yeah, but when now I was as a kid, you're older, you're like, ah. I'm impressed with the guy's impressions, though. But it's that whole concept, though, of becoming another person. Become another person. Yeah, become another person. Yeah. I love that. I love that concept. Each president also has like they usually have very strange names, like yeah. names that's like, oh, that's a president right there. You could name some guy. Uh, President uh, Philip D. Elgenstein or something. <laughs> Some kind of name like that. and It would work because President's in front of it. Yeah, and it basically you give him a voice that sounds a little something like this. I'm President D. Elgenstein or Elgenvelt <laughs> or something like that. Maybe, I guess I'm drawing a little inspiration from uh, Obama who Kind of does almost the same thing as Donald Trump, except like, whereas Donald Trump, he says few words like this. Uh, Obama kind of does the same. He just talks really fast. It'll be out when it's out. I kind of like that. He says things in a very matter-of-fact kind of way compared to someone like Richard Nixon, who is nothing but vowels. So Mel, is it Mel Blanc? Mel Blanc? Mel Blanc, he was, or Mel Blanc, Blanc, like some people call him Blanc. Yeah. I call him Blanc. Blank. Most people call him Blanc, actually. Uh, he was the original voice for every single Bugs, Bun like Bugs Bunny character. Looney Tunes character. Looney Tunes characters, yeah. I don't know if he voiced Granny. I think that might have been, uh, I can't remember her name, but Possibly. she's the voice of Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. And she's basically considered the uh, June Foray. That's her name. She was she was basically the lady equivalent of Mel Blanc. Right. Whereas Mel Blanc does all these different kinds of voices. Can you literally do any, the man of a thousand voices? Can, can you do any of his voices? That's all, folks. Who's that rooster guy? Can you do him? Oh, uh, Foghorn Leghorn. He's from the south, and that's a bit more. Like, I was going like that pretty much, but he doesn't do that. He just sounds really loud. He talks really loud because he's from the South, from Virginia even. Now, I say I say he was from the South. He's a Virginian boy even. And he's not just a chicken. He's a, or a, he's not a chicken hog. He's a, I say he's a chicken rooster, that is. At one point, he got split in two. He said, oh, I got a, I say I got a splitting headache. And he literally splits in two. The thing with uh, Daffy Duck and Sylvester the Cat, if there's one thing you can know, like you can compare the two, you can use to kind of like connect the two, is that they talk with an overly super exaggerated lip. Sylvester the Cat, he sounds more like this. Basically, you do the same thing with Daffy Duck. He's just making a little. Uh, you're making a little stronger and higher pitched. <laughs> You're a bit oh, spitting on my elbow. Oh, I'm <laughs> with Daffy Duck and... 
And then there was Tweety. Uh, and when you're doing Sylvester, I'm thinking, oh my god, that's very close to what Basically, Tweety like, was. Tweety yeah, like, was a spitter too. With, uh, <laughs> uh, Tweety wasn't a spitter. He's talking a little high up like this, pretty much. I can't really do it properly, but maybe you throw in a bit of the. Did you replace most of the words like starting with a T? No, I taught. I taught a pudding cat. You don't. Yeah. You throw in the, the New York accent. I was going to say, there is a little bit of a... So was Mel Blanc, was he from New York? Probably. No, probably. Probably. Might have been from... So a lot of characters. But then again, he's an old. he was also an old-timey kind of actor. <laughs> and then you're into Gollum. Gollum kind of... Can you do Gollum? I can do Gollum. <laughs> just throw, like, he did like a thing. But sometimes you don't need to do that. You just... <sighs> And of course, there's the two sides. There's and of course, on the other hand, he switches. Now, who was the guy that did Gandalf? Uh, Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. He just sounded really old. Like, it's very similar to Christopher Lee. Yes. Not sort of in that same kind of vein. More softer, even. Like, Christopher Lee, he can speak softly, but compared to Ian McKellen, like, it's like Ian McKellen, it's like a softer Christopher Lee. You just, you imagine him just sitting down in that big, those, like, long robes and that big beard and told you all kinds of stories and then you'd be completely captivated because he's old and trusty looking as a big beard even as Gandalf the White he still looked old and trusty looking yes because of the beard it was just smoother it's true and then you had Sir Christopher Lee yeah but like again you look at a character like that and if you want to make the, if they look if they look like a wizard Obviously, you're gonna gravitate gravitate towards British. Right. That's fine, you know. And in that case, you see a guy who looks like Gandalf the Grey specifically, who's very rugged looking. You just imagine he just you just you just imagine a guy just like that, just sitting down, and they're just telling you stories, and you just try to picture exactly how that kind of character would tell you all these stories. Once They'd upon be very a time. Once upon a time. Yeah. Something like that, you know. <laughs> Embrace your uniqueness. Let your imagination run wild. And never be afraid to take risks. Acting, like life, is a tightrope walk between vulnerability and fearlessness. Trust in your instincts. Trust in your voice. And most importantly, trust in the power of storytelling to heal, to connect, and to change the world. There are a lot of young people out there that want to do voiceover and all I can really say is absolutely go for that yeah challenge yourself though don't just go for anime if you want it if you just want to do anime that's fine uh but again like either way challenge yourself but if it's your passion really yeah. if, you, if it is your passion and not just something you heard like oh like this guy on the internet I know that does uh like does a lot of voiceover and I want to do that but 
you gotta commit to that. Yeah. You gotta really commit to that, and that means challenging yourself. Yeah. Don't be afraid to steal yeah. different voices. And the more you go back in history, you can steal from that, steal from that, steal from that. Yeah. Right back to Shakespeare where you're stealing from that. So yeah, you don't even have to do that. You just take but a you, voice from someone you know, like your dad or your mother or your grandfather or your grandmother or your brothers or your friends or right. some guy from the grocery store. Doesn't matter. Like you just take different voices like that. You don't just try to like go for something super basic. Uh, and, and play. Direct, like yeah, just play. Play. Because that's what it is. It's not a job. It's it's fun. It's fun. It is a job because you it get paid for it. But could be a job. Yeah. You'd be happy if it was a job. Usually it's a job because usually you get paid for that sort of thing. But that's not the goal you should be going for. No. You should just have fun. Just experiment. Just challenge yourself. Yeah. I agree. All right. Thanks very much. Yeah. It was entertaining. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> to all aspiring creatives, my advice would be to never stop learning about and refining your craft. Invest in your skills, whether through classes, workshops, online videos, or continuous practice. Embrace every opportunity, even the small ones, as they all contribute to your growth. And most importantly, believe in yourself and your unique voice. Your passion and authenticity will resonate with others. To Samuel. Your ability to be a ham, as your grandmother would say, has brought joy and laughter to many friends and family. Thank you for bringing us along to explore your journey into the world of voice acting. Join us next time as we continue to unravel the extraordinary stories and talents of exceptional individuals in the world of canvas and culinary, chalk and camel. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and get ready for more unforgettable conversations. Until then, embrace the madness and let laughter guide your way. 